Welcome to the Marietta First United Methodist Church Podcast. Marietta First is a community of disciples dedicated to living and serving faithfully our local community of Marietta, Georgia, and around the world. We are glad you're here. It is our prayer that this podcast offers you hope and grace on your own journey of faith. I invite you to stand for the reading of our scripture this morning. I will be reading from Psalm 22, beginning with verse 25. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will pay before those who fear him. The poor shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall, be pra- shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all of the families of the nations shall worship before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. To him indeed shall all who sleep in the earth bow down. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, and I shall live for him. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord and proclaim his deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And you may be seated. Just a word about our announcement in that I know it may have seemed a little awkward of when we chose to do it, but we needed to make sure that the kids had exited the sanctuary. So I appreciate your patience with that. Psalm 22 is usually a psalm that we hear on Good Friday. Not the portion that was shared with you just a moment ago, but the beginning of the psalm. The beginning of the psalm, they are familiar words and they go like this. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? We know those words. They're the words that Jesus speaks on the cross, and they are identified as one of the last seven words of Jesus on the cross. These are the words that Jesus shares on the cross from Matthew and Mark's gospel. We hear the anguish and the despair in these words. And a little bit further on, after these words, this first verse, we hear the passion narrative. The early church grabbed hold of this psalm and claimed it as their own because they believed in this psalm. They were hearing the story of Jesus Christ. It's hard to hear these words and to not imagine Jesus on the cross. And yet today on this fifth Sunday of Easter, we should not be talking about Good Friday. We should be talking about the resurrection, and we should be talking about the way we encounter the resurrected Christ. So why are we revisiting a Good Friday psalm? Well, because Psalm 22 might begin with a lament. It might begin with a cry and despair and disappointment and all the things that are muddled in the human condition, but it does not stay there. A number of years ago, There was a tragic event in the church where I was serving. A young woman, she was about 20 years old. She took her own life. It was a shock, as you can imagine, to her parents. And it was a shock to the congregation. 
The young woman struggled with depression. She struggled with low self-esteem and her parents did everything that they possibly could for her. They were good parents. They got her the help that she needed, the doctors that she needed to see, the medications, everything. And whatever they needed from her, her parents were there for her. They made sure that their daughter was well cared for. But when it came, as you can imagine, it was utter shock. But as the shock began to wear off for her, for this family, as one would expect, the parents became angry. They became angry at everybody and anything. They were angry at the girls that this young woman was rooming with in college, wondering if only they had been nicer. The doctors that they consulted, how come they could not have prevented this? How come they could not have helped this? They questioned the ability of the doctors. They pointed the blame at the church too. Why couldn't the church have brought her in and kept her connected and maybe she would have had more friends and maybe this wouldn't have happened. They pointed the blame at themselves thinking if we had only done this or this or this or this. But mostly, mostly they were angry at God. They were angry at God. How could you let this happen? How could you let this happen? And they very easily could have been standing there with the psalmist raising their fist and saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It is the utter cry of lament and pain and loss and abandonment to feel so forsaken that you wonder if God even cares. Is God even listening? I don't think that we need to answer the question for this family or even question its loss because it's an extraordinary loss. But I think in our own lives, we've all experienced disappointment, despair, anguish of some sort or another. And maybe over the course of our lives, we have wondered, is God listening? Does God even care about my life? Do you ever wonder that? Does God even care? It could have been from a job loss, maybe a family estrangement, maybe it's a health issue, maybe it's finances, maybe it's that your faith is bone dry and you wonder, does God even care? Does God care? And you don't understand because you've been faithful. You've done all the right things. You've come to church, you've prayed, you've been a good person and still, and still this happens. We can easily at times in our own life have uttered these words from the psalmist, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me? And so we wonder, we wonder, is God listening? Does God hear my prayers? Does God know I need help? Does God know that my child is hurting? Does God care that the world seems to be falling apart right in front of our eyes? Does God care that people are dying and are hurting and are hungry right in our midst? Why do I feel so alone? Why is there so much silence from God? The beginning of Psalm 22 is an individual lament, as I've expressed, despair and anguish. The second half of the psalm is what you heard today. And it is this movement in the psalm from lament to praise individual to communal. It's from me to us. 
But I think that the best part of this psalm is often missed, and it's the bridge. It's the bridge of why we move from despair and anguish and disappointment to praise and thanksgiving to God, and it's found in verse 24. Listen to this. Listen to these words. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. Do you know what this means? Do you know what this means? God did not hide God's face, but God heard the cry. God heard the cry of the psalmist. God heard the cry of Christ on the cross. And God hears our cries even today. Even today. So when we wonder if God is listening, the answer is a resounding yes. Yes, God is listening. Yes, God hears when we pray. Yes, God knows that our life can be really hard. Yes, God knows about my marriage, about my finances, about my job, and God knows when my life is an utter mess. Do not doubt that God knows everything that is happening in your life. God hears us, and this is our hope. We all need hope. We are a people of hope, bound by hope. So no matter what you're going through today in your life or those things that your families are going through or wherever you find yourself, God hears you and God is listening. And for the psalmist, (laughs) there's only one response to the fact that God is listening, only one response necessary. And that's what we have today in our lesson. The response is total praise to God, total praise to God, because God hears us. It's because, and it goes like this, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations shall worship him. God will take care of you because you belong to God. In fact, the entire world belongs to God. Those who are alive and those who are dead, God's got them. This is God's thing for us. It's God's plan for us. God rules over all of the earth. God has dominion over all things. Everyone who seeks the Lord will find the Lord and will bow down to worship him. That's why we worship God. Worship is our response It's what God is doing in our lives. We come here on Sundays as a response to what God is doing in our lives, what God has done in our lives, and the hope of what God is going to do in our future life. Our worship is joining together in this great congregation and singing praises to God, for we worship a God who is a God who abounds in love a God who is grace-filled, a God who gives life, a God who brings salvation, a God who is worthy of praise. There is a contemporary song, it's by Mark Redmond, it's not so contemporary anymore because it's about 20 years old, and maybe you hear it if you listen to Christian radio. And it talks about worship. It was written as a response to a consumer-driven worship experience. It's called The Heart of Worship, and I wanna read to you just a few words from this song. When the music fades and all is stripped away, and I simply come longing just to bring something that's of worth, 
that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship. It's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord, for the things I've made it. When it's all about you, it's all about you. Yes, our worship experience is all about Jesus. Did you know that worship is a sensitive subject in the church? Just ask anyone what their opinion is. They're sure to have one. <laughs> Every church I've ever been in, wherever I've been, people have an opinion about worship. Do you know why? Because it gets to the heart of things. Because it matters to us. Because it's important to us. And even recently, I had someone share with me that they will not be coming back to worship well, actually, it's not just been one person, it's been multiple people. So they're not coming back to worship because they have to wear these blankety-blank masks. I'm not going to cuss. I know that I have to say that sometimes in church. I'm not going to cuss. I get it. Do you think we all want to wear these masks? Of course we don't. But there will come a time when we're not living in a Good Friday world and we're going to be on the other side and we're going to be able to take these masks off. And I tread gently here when I say this. I really do. Worship is not about us. It feeds us. It should fill us to overflowing. It should make us feel good. And when we leave here, we should feel better than when we first arrived. But it's in worship where we are reminded of who we are and who God is. And when we miss worship, or we completely disconnect from it, our souls wither and dry out. A.W. Tozer said this, without worship we go about miserable. We go about miserable when we do not attend to worship. Because where else in our life do we set aside our jobs, our concerns, our worries, even our divisions, and we come into this place and it's no longer about us. It's about the one who created us. That's what worship is all about. And sometimes we forget that. Sometimes we forget that everything we do in worship should be glorifying God from the welcome to the call to worship, to the hymns, to the children's time, to the apostles' creed, to the scripture, to the sermon. Everything is praise to God. It should lift us from here to here. We join others in faith in this great congregation and hear the story of our faith. And I don't know about you, but I need that every single week. I need to be reminded about my faith. I need to be reminded about why I come here and to whom I belong. We are resurrection people. We are reminded that through, though we might suffer because we are all suffering at times in our life, we all know that we go through difficult times. We need to be reminded that God is listening and that our despair will one day spill over into hope. When Jesus utters the words from Psalm 22 on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He must have known how that Psalm ended. 
I bet he knew his Bible. I bet he knew his Bible and he knew that though it begins with a lament, it ends with praise. He must have known that. He must have known that it would not be long before the disciples go and they see that the tomb is empty and that they would be proclaiming deliverance to a people yet unborn, saying that he has done it. That is the way Psalm 22 ends. Those are the very words. The empty tomb, resurrection, eternal life, right there. That is worth praise. Jesus spoke the words from the cross. He was reminding us that his story is our story. And pain and difficulties and problems are going to come our way, but they won't last forever because we are not a Good Friday people. We are an Easter people, and there is always hope, and God will lead us to it. I close with this. Last week, our weekday preschool held one of its year-end programs. I was out in the park, and our little ones were all lined up under the pavilion. It was absolutely delightful. And those kids were singing. They were singing songs of praise and songs of joy and songs of love, and they were moving their bodies. You know how the kids do that, move their bodies. And their parents and their grandparents and family members were sitting out on the grass, and, you know, they could have their masks off so they, you could see smiles on them. There was laughter. And as I stood there, I was talking with someone And they pointed out a little boy to me. He must have been in third grade, I think. Or not third grade, three years old. He was three years old. And there he was. He was singing, you know, a smile on his face. And his body was twisting like this. He was as happy as can be. Somewhere out on the lawn, his family was watching him. And I learned from this person whom I was talking with that this young boy had a sister who had been battling cancer and that her leg had been amputated. And his sister, I think, was in third or fourth grade, was elementary age. It was hard for me to imagine as I watched this precious boy singing songs of praise that his family had gone through such a difficult time. It was a disconnect for me. They had experienced great suffering and pain fear, and uncertainty. And there was this little boy just singing away. Surely he could not have known that singing would come after the suffering. He could not know that, that there was something beyond suffering. He could not have known, after all, he was only three years old. And yet his singing for me that day was a sign of hope. It was a sign of hope because through suffering and difficulties and pain and despair and all the things that we experience in life, the hope of Easter is always, always on the other side of things. Do you think that God was listening to this three-year-old boy? (laughs) I have no doubt that God was listening to the praise and the songs of this three-year-old boy. In a few minutes, we're going to sing our closing song. It's one verse. I know we have to wear masks, but remember, not forever. We're not always in Good Friday. Easter is just around the corner.
But as we sing this closing hymn, this is what I'm going to ask of you. Let us sing this hymn. Let us not just read the words that are on the page, but let's let our praise to God lift high so that God can hear us. Because if you want to know that God is listening, oh my friends, God is listening. Thank you for listening to the Marietta First United Methodist Church podcast. For more information about Marietta First United Methodist Church, we invite you to connect with us online at MarietaFUMC.org or on Facebook at MarietaFUMC.org.